welcome to the first proper episode of Opinions, and welcome back to those who listened to the pilot episode. My name's Steve, and with, with me, as is always going to be now, is Martin. Martin, welcome. Hi, Steve. Uh, each week, Martin and I will be chatting about what's going on in the industry, sharing our opinions, and of course, enjoying a beer or two, which is um, where we're going to start this week, actually. I think we're going to crack straight into a beer, um, and the reason we're doing this straight away is because we're going to tackle three beers this week uh, while talking about things. Um, as you can hear, the can opening. Uh, this week's first beer is from Cigar City. It's called Invasion, and it's a 5% parallel. Um, reason why we're cracking on with this straight away as the first beer um, is because recently I was on holiday in the States and happened across Cigar City in the local supermarket. Um, was absolutely blown away by this beer being my first beer in the States that I had and was absolutely blown away by the freshness and I couldn't wait to bring it back and to drink it on the show with you mate. So um, let's tuck into this straight away um, and let's quench the thirst. Okay, cheers. Well to be honest I could smell that as soon as you opened it and started pouring it. It's got a powerful aroma Yeah. for a pale ale. It just comes oozing out of the can yeah. straight away doesn't it? I mean, it's just, for me, the, the, the thing that blew me away with it was, I think, for like, like most people, my experience, or, or I've had experiences of American beers that have maybe not tasted their best by the time they've got to these shores. And having opened this after a day's worth of travelling on, on my first evening in the States and drunk it, I was absolutely blown away um, by this beer. Um, being 5% and tasting like it tastes, it to me, it, it's got the taste of... A really powerful IPA. Yeah, it has. It's got the aroma of a powerful IPA, but it's lack, it's not got that same chewiness on it. It's very drinkable. Love the carbonation on it as well. It's not too fizzy, but yeah. it just hangs around. A little bit of a tingle on your tongue, but it is very good. Uh, uh, for the benefit of everyone listening, I'm sipping mine. Steve isn't sipping his. <laughs> it's almost gone. <laughs> it's it's because this this became a real favourite of mine while, while I was in the states, and um, as as a result of that, and uh, just Twitter making the world a lot smaller, um, I actually managed to go along and visit Cigar City as well, uh, and we've got a great interview coming up at the end of the show uh, with Neil, who who works for Cigar City, talks about the brewery, talks about their beers. Um, and I would just like to say at this point that um, they looked after me very, very well while, while I was at the brewery. Um, these beers, I did pay for them, but they were massively discounted. So I'm really grateful to the guys at Cigar City for, for letting me have, have a look around and letting me taste so many of their great beers. But make sure you hang around to, to the end of this week's show. Um, so that kind of, um, that's partly my beery adventure since, since the last episode that we did since the pilot episode that we did um i've got some some other little bits to talk about but mate i know you've you've been up to to quite a few adventures what while we've been off air yeah I, I, looking back on uh my untapped it does appear i have been a bit busy um the one of the one of the highlights of my beery calendar is the visit to the harwich readout fort in essex which i think you if you remember you did join us before I you went, went, went away um and that's more about the setting it's one of those lovely places. It's uh, an old fort which has been restored over the last 50 years by you know local people. Um, and it, it's a lovely place. You pay a few quid to get in. They have a bit of a novelty factor. Bring your own tankard and you get you know half a pint free. 
but it is about it is about the atmosphere there. Um, there were some lovely beers. Um, a couple of the beers from Great Heck were definitely right up there as they always are for me. They they were very nice, but it is about you know the, the, the venue. Uh, I followed that up with a visit to the Great British Beer Festival at Olympia. Uh, it was on a Saturday, so you are slightly lacking in a bit of choice sometimes. But I did manage to get hold of some very nice beers, uh, the highlight of which was the Vocation Chop and Change Cascade on Cask. Very, very nice that was. Mm. Really, really enjoyed that. And a bit of a gripe of mine, if anyone who follows me on Twitter, uh, lack of water. There seems to be a distinct lack of water available at GBBF and a few other camera festivals I've been to recently. Um, I'm hoping that will change uh, as we come into the, the 21st century with camera. <laughs> following day, London Craft Beer Festival, hit that one up. Again, very busy like it has been in the past, went on the Sunday. Had some really good beers while I was there. I'm still a massive fan of the 90ml pours and the, the all-day music. But I did get respite from that by going to the Fuller's Cast Bar, which was fantastic, really chilled, music in the background, and a fantastic range of cast beers, actually. That was really good. And um, Yeah, I was quite jealous following your check-ins on, on that particular day. Yeah, there was some nice, nice <laughs> yeah. beers. I mean, I got to try the Fuller's Vintage 2016 on cask, both on the Saturday at GBBF and at the LCBF. Really nice drinking that fresh as well, mm -hmm. thinking... Right, got to get some bottles, got to put it away. It's got to appear in the 12 beers of Christmas at some point in the future. Um, uh, but since then, a few beers I've... Uh, uh, one, of the, oh, sorry, one of the other highlights I have is the Brew by, Num uh, Brew by Numbers 5502 Deeper, the second version. That was as good as the first one, I thought. Really enjoyed that. And at home, I've had, uh, like a lot of people, the Cloudwater Deeper 6 and 7. Yep, I've, I've managed to finally get my lips around those as well. Um, this past weekend uh, a little bit behind the curve on that one but I was too busy drinking all the amazing beers that I've got my hands on in the States all the, all the American beers all the American beers yeah uh, well I mean I think a lot of people have uh, have tried it now and um, it seems to be coming out at uh, V6 seems to be the preferred of the two on this occasion mm -hmm. well, what did you think Steve? I um, am very much in that camp I, I really enjoyed the the, the V6 um, for me, it was the more instantly drinkable of of the two. Um, but having having chatted to Paul at Cloudwater um, during the Manchester Beer Week, that that was their intention with it because they that they brewed that beer specifically to take to to the festival they were invited to in San Diego. So they wanted it to be able to stand up to its American cousins in, in terms of what it tasted like and what it felt like. I, I found for me that the V7 just felt a little bit ordinary in in terms of, and, and I'm not, make it clear there that I'm not saying that a modern UK craft brewery have produced an ordinary double IPA, but I just think in terms of the double IPA releases that we've seen this year, I just thought version seven just lacked anything exciting or new about it. Uh, that's interesting because I, I was more of a fan of seven. I know what you're saying about V6, but I found that the flavour and the aroma dropped away quite quickly. So I did agree it was quite drinkable straight away, mm. but I don't think, it, for me, it didn't hold it as long. Whereas the V7, I thought had a bit more happening with it as I got into the beer. 
Okay. That's, that's how I felt on that one. Um, I would caveat that by saying that for me, I haven't tried V1. So V3 remains my favourite. But I think Cloudwater are going to struggle to top three's company this year anyway. I, I, I think so. I think three's company is, is, a, is an incredible example of, of an IPA. Because um, let's, let, let's not, you know, putting all style guidelines aside... On the label, it said IPA. Yes. So that that wasn't a double IPA. Um, it was an incredibly drinkable beer, flavoursome to the very end. I, I think the the other one that that, that potentially pushes that is the um, the recent Citra IPA as as well. Yeah. Which at a much lower ABV um, is is very much drinkable. It was fruity all the way through. It was just um, that was inc- incredible. But again, Cloudwater is still innovating and still showing what they can do with beer at the moment, which is which is great for us, the consumers. Oh, definitely. Um, although it does go to show where we are now with ABVs, where we're talking about Citra being lower <laughs> and almost sessionable at six and a half percent. Yeah, absolutely. So I, think, yeah. I mean, a few years ago, someone said, you know, you'll you'll like this one. You, you know, it's a good session beer, six and a half percent. I would have looked at them a little bit odd. So, were there any other? Good beers, apart from this one, which we've almost finished, the, the Invasion Pale Ale from uh, Cigar City that you really enjoyed while you were away? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple more Cigar City ones that we're going to do tonight, which had, had become staples in, in my fridge in the States. Um, other, other ones uh, to mention, um, I was a little bit uh, blown away, and, and I had uh, probably an epiphany walking into the supermarket on, on the first evening and looking in the fridge and seeing Dogfish Head 60-minute IPA and 90-minute IPA on the shelf for something like $2.19. Um, and I was like, oh my God, all my Christmases have come at once. I, I spent $50 in the supermarket the first night I was there on beer uh, alone. Um, um, so Dogfish Head beers were good. Uh, there was one uh, that they've just released called Flesh and Blood, which was a uh, fruit IPA. It had lemon and lime and orange in it. Um, that was incredibly drinkable. And for me, it was just that ability to be able to drink American beer fresh and, and to taste it how the breweries intended it to be tasted rather than the sticky mess that we sometimes end up with by the time it's found its way to the to the UK and got to the shelves and eventually made it into our fridges. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to hear what Cigar City have got to say on that matter in your interview as well. Yeah, and they, they do talk about um, the, the concept of freshness. I was lucky enough to get to taste uh, the, the beer that we're going to be drinking next, High Lie, straight from the FV, um, due to be canned the following day. You can't get much fresher than that, and it was tasting pretty incredible so um we've almost finished this one should we um should we jump into the next beer and then we'll we'll, ha- we'll have a chat about what what news we've had i think that's it? an excellent idea this is this is highlight this is 7.4 percent ipa so sits at the the strength of the god of all beers cannonball um i'm interested to hear your thoughts on on this one okay cheers, cheers. Quite tropical on the nose. Very tropical on the palate. There's all sorts of flavours going on in there, isn't there? It's just it's a fruit cocktail. Yeah. So there's there's, bo- there's it's got body to it. There's there's just loads of loads of fruit going around in there. Loads of character to it. 
it's got this lovely lasting bitterness as well. Yeah, it's that, a lovely, that, that lovely bit of dryness to it as well. Um, but it's not sweet or cloying no. in that respect. No. So it's got the fruit flavours without it being sweet and cloying. Um, it pours really nicely. Lovely little, you know, fingernails worth of heads. It's very, very tasty, this. Yeah, I mean, like I say, again, just one of those beers that I drank and I was like, oh my word. And I, I do remember before I went, um, Matt Curtis saying, wait until you get your lips around that. You, you, you'll never look back. And um, Matt was absolutely bang on with, with that prediction because... Yeah. It's easily as drink. I mean, it's easily as drinkable as a cannibal. It's got those similar sort of qualities. I mean, yeah. it doesn't taste like 7.4% either. Mm -mm. This... Um, Hot day, outside, six pack of these cold, wouldn't take long to do. No, it, it wouldn't, you'd, you'd fly through it. Yeah, no, that is really nice. So you, you'd better do the news really quickly before I finish it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, a few things in, in this week's news then. So probably the, the, the biggest news uh, of the last couple of days is um, Beaver Town finally announcing a core IPA. So Lupuloid IPA, 6.7% ABV. Um, it is their first straight up IPA. This is the first time Beavertown have done an IPA. They've learned um, a lot from collaborations that they've done in, in, in putting this together. And a lot of people will also remember the series that they did earlier on in the year called The Invasion of the Lupuloids, where they played around with the flavours and the malt bill and the, the ingredients to, to just hone the thing in. Um, and eventually they put out 10 IPAs before they came to this one and settled on this one. So um, Lupuloid IPA now available in what can only be described as the funkiest craft can you're ever likely to see. It's a, a lovely little fetching pink and green number. Um, while we're talking about uh, new canned beers, Five Points have released their new pills in a can, um, an initial limited run of it. Um, there will be uh, more of this coming in the future. Um, so um, currently available on Ebria if people want to get their hands on some of that. Uh, Fuller's have won an award. Uh, they've won a silver medal for their Frontier Craft Lager um, at the International Beer Challenge. Uh, and then we've just got some, just to finish with, uh, some news about some new venues opening up. So the Craft Beer Co are adding to their portfolio. Um, they're adding another bar in London, Craft Beer Co E14. Uh, which will be at Limehouse, uh, due to open in October. And then finally, for those of you that remember uh, the short-lived adventure in The Angel by Brewdog, uh, Dog Eat Dog, they've, they've now changed that into something else. It's now called Punk Kitchen, which is going to be a new monthly pop-up hotspot and will feature some of the biggest, baddest and downright awesome dishes from all over the city, as, as well as 10 craft fueled Brewdog beer taps, and yes, I did read that straight from the press release. I'm very glad it's not your own words. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't really use those. So that's really, there's obviously been quite a lot of news since we recorded the the, the pilot of this, but just trying to keep things um, up to date in terms of where, where we're at with things that are going on. So, um, how are you finding the beer? I'm loving this. This is such a good beer. But you've just, you've already told me, even before the interview, I can't really get hold of it over here. You, you can't. So I love you and hate you in equal measure right now. I didn't want to come home. 
because the beer just tasted so good out there it just tasted so fresh and, and a lot of people said that you know once you've tried american beer fresh there's never any going back and i know i was like no 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 and here i am now bestowing the virtues but but that's very much um the driver behind this week's opinions discussion um is it's about freshness but it's also about um breweries being a little bit more open in in terms of displaying things like canned on or bottled on dates on their packaging as well as having um the best before date on on there so that's the question we we put out to twitter this week we we asked them should breweries include bottled or canned on dates as well as best before dates and and we got quite a few responses back we had over um 200 um responses in favor of yes we would like to see more of that from from breweries on on their packaging um and just a few comments that a few people uh, have given us before we actually get into this discussion mate so uh lou on brew um great to see some of the old beer o'clock listeners still supporting the new opinions um bottled on gives a measure of freshness best before gives expiration Best of both perspectives, using both the drinker can make an informed decision when or if to drink. Uh, Katrinas uh, says, bottled on dates lets me know how old all of my Imperial Stouts and Lambics actually are. I ignore the best before date on those. Uh, and that's a, a comment that was echoed by uh, Mark at Kelfired as well. Uh, Miles Lambert. Uh, would be invaluable information in my mind. I'm against over-regulation, but volunteering that info would mean a lot to drinkers, which I think is a fair point. Um, and then Sam Congdon, uh, at Green Army Sam. Now, Sam didn't want just one tweet. He had three. I don't think we'll ever get a uniform best before period agreed, so bottled on allows the consumer to understand the age. Although consumer super fresh obsession is worrying, especially with dippers. You don't need to drink them within a week. Definitely been a few that have had specific release events dates that maybe could have had more time to condition as well. So that's um, that, that's what people are saying generally about the labelling info. Um, what, what what's, what's your thoughts on this one, mate? Um, I'm very much in favour of the letting us know when they put it into whatever vessel they choose to sell us in. So whether it be can or bottle, I'd like to know. I mean, coincidentally, while the poll was running, I popped over to my local co-op to buy some beers for some friends and family coming over the weekend. There, I had a choice between a couple of breweries that I like both the beers from, but one of them had the best before date of July 17, and one of them had the best before of January 17, which makes me think that that beer's been in the bottle now for at least six to seven months. Easily, yeah. And the beer in question is a single hot beer, and I thought, nah, I'm not so sure how well that's going to be sitting now on a top shelf in a with near the lights. I'll give that one a miss. Whereas if I had ignored the best before date and had a bottled on date, I'd may maybe make a different opinion. Uh, the same goes for I mean, Katrina's point about lambics and the uh, impy stouts. I think most. A lot of people do ignore the best before dates anyway. I, I would see a lot of value in them doing it. I'm not sure if there's a reason not to. I don't know if there's a logistical reason, a cost reason, if there's a reason for retailers, whether that be bottle shops, off-licenses, supermarkets, pubs, bars, but they don't want it to advertise it. That I'm unsure of because maybe people would say, oh, well, I'm supposed to drink this within, you know, go back to Sam's message within a week. Mm -hmm. And Sam's probably got a good point there that 
there is a certain amount of uh, of hype around some of the the double IPA releases, especially in 2016, about how quick you're supposed to have it. And a few people have commented in the past that perhaps a little while longer, perhaps in the FE or in the bottle would have benefited it. So I think there is a, you know, again, you would better make your own choice and your own decision based on the information presented to you. And for the people who don't care, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They can ignore it. Absolutely. I think, I think it's a, it's a great point you make there about the, the information being readily available on the label because I mean there are two breweries that, that, that instantly leap to mind um, I, I know Buxton that they do bottled on and best before on on all of their beers but they also include the the, the words drink fresh if it's a, a hoppy beer that's intended to be drunk as, as soon as possible and I know Cloudwater do bottled on dates they used to do best before dates but they've they've stopped doing that now i i understand and they only now have bottled on dates on there um because again for that very reason they were they were finding that um you know suppliers didn't want to stock beers that only had like a three month shelf life to them because they couldn't shift them basically which i think is a is a tough one for us as consumers that maybe are looking for for fresh beers um, but I mean, I listened to the the Beer Nomicon podcast, which is rapidly becoming one of my favourite beer podcasts. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. There, if if you guys haven't listened to that one, it's worth downloading one of the episodes. Definitely worth it. If, if nothing else, the Cloudwater one, yeah, which is yeah. the most recent. Yeah, that's that's where you know that's where I was pulling that that information from that that the Paul was saying there about the importance of freshness to them, and they want to be able to present their beers to the public how they in, intended to present them. Um, but I, I suppose much like yourself, you know, I've, I've been in situations before where I've bought beers online and, and they've turned up and they're, they're, they're either out of date or they were bottled so long ago that you don't want to touch them. Um, especially, again, coming back to the beers we're drinking tonight, American beers, it's so difficult to judge and to gauge when they were bottled, you know, because sometimes you don't know what they've put on the bottle. Is it is that a bottled on or is that a best before? Which which one am I actually looking at? Um, and I just think anything that gives the consumer as as much information that they need to be able to make an informed purchase. Fair enough, you can't do that if you're shopping online. You can't pick the bottle up off the shelf and have a look at the dates. But if you're in a bottle shop, you you can do that. You can have a look and let let's be honest, any bottle shop worth its sorts these days isn't going to be stocking out of date beers no and most bottle shops don't have massive stocks of each beer a lot of the time anyway especially for the new one-off limited releases they tend to have a fairly low amount of it in you know they try to gauge how much can i sell versus the amount of time i should have it anyway the really good ones but i mean going back to your comment about you know when you're getting beers delivered online that was probably one of my first experiences. It wasn't a great one, and it's from a company I do implicitly trust these days, who sent a case of beer which had been ordered for me. Um, and it was, again, it was US beer from one particular brewery. Heard a lot of good stuff about them. I would say over half of them were already passed the best before. And unfortunately, their customer services did let them down that time because when my when the, someone rang up to check, and they said, well, they'll all be okay still. But that sort of implies I'd have to drink them sooner rather than later yeah. as well. I like to be able to choose which beers I want to drink when I want to drink them, not because I've got a case of either out-of-date or almost out-of-date beers. And again, 
but if there's a few of the say bigger beers in there and a few of say the, the maybe the darker beers I might think actually that's fine mm-hmm. I can park those so when the new releases come out it's fine I don't feel obliged to get through them I can just have them so I think there, I think there would be a lot of merit to doing it and it would appear from you know the the opinions of the votes we got that you know there's a lot of support for that as well were, were there any other comments that, that came out, Steve? There, there were. There, I mean, there was there, there was a whole discussion between Nate Dog and and and, and Doody about um, retailers and, and 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 people not stocking for for fear of the beers actually not selling if, if they've got too much information on. Um, which which people can if you go to the show notes, you can click on. Um, the, the the bit about the opinions poll and that'll take you to the original tweet and then you can read all the other tweets underneath if you've got got time and if you want to do so. Um, there was again around the retailing issues. Um, Joe Tindall at Fatal Glass was saying it allows consumers to decide whether they're happy with freshness for themselves, and but retailers don't like short best before dates. Uh, and then we had a view from a brewer as well. So Mad Hatter Angus at Angus Brews. In an ideal world, uh, yes, but having labels printed for each bottling run would be very hard for smaller breweries, which is a which is quite a good point. You know, there's obviously costs that we're not considering for smaller yeah. breweries. Um, and and again, you know, I suppose you can you can go back to the early days of the Colonel when everything was kind of hand stamped on on their labels. Um, but so, even even a month which it's bottled or canned would be better than a lot of yeah. the information we have now. So I'm not saying that is that much more cost effective, but maybe there's some leeway there where I don't need the minute, hour, date necessarily. Yeah. But even the month would be handy when I'm making a judgment about what am I having next out to the fridge yeah. or out to the cellar. So perhaps there's options there, but it's a good point, especially for the smaller brewer. And we do have a lot of smaller brewers around at the moment. Absolutely, and I mean the point you're saying there again goes back to the interview that you can listen to at the end. Cigar City, they were saying ninety days on 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 all of their beers that go out of the brewery. That's that's what they want them to be drinking, unless they're a big dark beer that again you can you can age a little bit. Um, so and on that note, we're going to just crack into the third beer this evening um, before we just kind of finish up this week's um, opinions discussion. Now this is um, again kind of on the freshness discussion but an interesting twist so this is again highlight that we're drinking here but this is as an ipa this has been aged on white oak um so i'm quite uh interested to to see what you think of this because i again got to try this when when i was at at the brewery um they they kindly gave me a side-by-side tasting with the original highlight um so have a have a little taste of that and see what you think of that cheers Cheers. so again it's the the aromas are there but they're softened a a little bit someone's dialed it down a bit yeah it's reminding me of a chardonnay okay it's there's some coconut in there there's a little bit of sherbet going on for me. A little bit of lemon sherbet, maybe. I'm getting the oak, though. Yeah, it's coming through. You're still getting the IPA in there, but it's all just kind of softened and yeah. just dialed back a little bit. I think I need to have a few more sips, but I'm not sure at the moment. But as I said, it reminds me a bit of a Chardonnay, especially when Chardonnay was going through its very 90s populist mm-hmm. phase when wine producers were just throwing oak chips at 
left, right and centre. So, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that one. Okay. So, so while we're talking about um, freshness, I suppose, and, and, and what we put on the labels, just, just a few other comments from Twitter. So, uh, and this, this was a great one, and I'm, I'm actually quite glad somebody made this observation. So DCOS, at DCOS. Um, Budweiser leading the way with born on dates. Um, that's all he threw in there, but you can't really argue with that. Budweiser have been doing it for a few years now. Um, in terms of putting born on dates and best before dates on all, all of their yep. beers. Yep. So say what you like about AB InBev and um, the beer itself and whether it's any good, but actually they are displaying when when the beer was made and, and, and how long it's been in the bottle. Um, and just, just coming on to freshness as well. So uh, again, a lot of people saying what we've already said in, in terms of, and, and this is probably one of my view on this as well, is particularly with a, a, a light, hoppy beer, I, I do want to be drinking it fresh. Uh, I want to be drinking it as fresh as I possibly can. Um, I want to get as much flavour as I can out of all of those ingredients that have gone in there. Um, I don't want to be letting it age and, and, and sit around. Um, that's what dark beers are for. Um, what what do you think about the, the, this issue of is it important to drink a beer as soon as it's released? I mean, I'm actually, I think I feel like I've got a foot in both camps on this one. I have found myself the further down the craft beer rabbit hole I've gone, buying into this whole you must drink it fresh kind of thing. But is this this? It may be a cynical side to me, but I, I, I'm also got this bit about going on in my head saying, is that truly the best way to drink it? Or am I just being told that's the best way to drink it because it shifts a whole lot of beer very quickly? Um, it makes your stock, to coin a phrase, very liquid because you're getting a lot of cash return in a very short space mm-hmm. of time. But I do find that, you know, having tried a few beers where I've left it for a little while longer and revisited, I think I revisited V3 a few times a couple months down the line it wasn't tasting as good yeah don't get me wrong it tasted good and if i hadn't tasted it fresh i would have thought it was fantastic but i had something to compare it to so i probably would agree to a point but there is a part of me which thinks there is an element of hype i i, I think so and i think the, the brewers have put a lot of work into making that beer as as, as fresh and as, as as good as it can possibly be and they want to get it into your hands quickly. Um, I, I think, like you say, it's it's when it's rushed out for the sake of hype, and maybe not quite ready, and maybe could do with a couple more weeks sat in the bottle or the can or the FV just to condition a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we're almost beginning to move into that nature of hype discussion, um, which which again, the the guys on Beer Nomicon covered on a on a show as 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 well. Um, and I really, I'm, I'm sounding like a massive fanboy at the moment, but I, I've, I've really bought into what those guys are doing with their podcast at the moment. I'm really enjoying listening to it, so it's worth giving it a go. Um, yeah, but for me, I think, I, I suppose, just to, to wrap up this conversation, personally, I would like to see when the date on the can or the bottle when it was packaged. Yeah, I would agree. As, as well as a, a, a best before. I'll, I'll take or leave the best before. Um, but I would love to see this beer was packaged on so, so I know how fresh uh, or which batch I've actually got of a particular beer in my hands. Yeah, I, I would second that, definitely. And 
if that the more people that start to do that, I think the better it will be for us as consumers. Absolutely, yeah. So if if you're listening, breweries, um, we've spoken. Uh, you need to start putting um, packaged on dates on on your beers as well. Thank thank you very much. Um, okay, so that brings us nicely on to uh, this week's blog roundup. Uh, what have you got for us, Mike? Okay, I've got a few um, that I, I've picked out. One is from someone which both Steve and myself know very well, and anyone who's listened to the Beer O'Clock Show in the past will know as the uh, the random bloke from Twitter, <laughs> Justin Mason. Um, completely and utterly bang on form with a piece about um, called The Moral High Ground, Shades of Grey, talking about big beer and the gist of it, and it's definitely worth a read and there will be a link in the show notes, is basically who are the bad boys these days with a number of big beer uh, companies, breweries buying up some of our favourite craft beers you know, Lagunitas, Goose Island, Spring to Mind uh, uh, from the States, over here, Camden and Meantime. You know, has it stopped us drinking the beers or did we all have a bit of a gripe, a bit of a grumble on Twitter and then carry on buying them anyway and really appreciate the fact that they're all in Weatherspoons these days. So there is a really, it's a really good piece, really enjoyed it and it's definitely something which uh, is probably worth revisiting in the future, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for that, Justin. Another one which struck me is from uh, somebody who gets a second mention already. Goodness me. It's, uh, it's like got, we've got serial fans already. Exactly. Two exactly. Well, we're telling him he's a fan by oh, doing yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pete, Pete McCary uh, under Brew Geekery. Oh, and just to say that Justin's, uh, if you only want to catch up on Justin's blog, it's Get Beer, Drink Beer. Again, Pete, Pete's done a very short piece, um, basically alluding to about SEBA, the Society for Independent Brewers, taking ownership of craft beer and effectively having a craft beer accreditation. Uh, well worth a read, just a few paragraphs, won't take too long, but definitely food for thought. Also uh, mentions back to the very short-lived United Craft Brewers um, that was you know, initially gonna be the organization that would take up the craft mantle. So that's, that's definitely worth a, a, a punt, especially bearing in mind you know, recent news about the, the beer bloggers uh, pitching mm-hmm. with uh, yeah. BRX and Seabar, so it, it's it's well worth some thought, and it'd be interesting to hear what people think about it at some point. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, we've that that's one that we've not specifically covered on the news because I think I, I think there'll be there's going to be more to come from this. I think it's got legs. Yeah, so one. it's it's one that we might revisit in, yeah. in in a future episode of the show. Definitely. And again, another another one, and this this one is quite a long one. And it's from Mark Johnson, a beer compugation. And it's uh, basically a follow-up to one he did a couple of years ago, effectively uh, called Everything Wrong With Beer. Um, I like Mark's writing. It can be very direct. But just a couple of bits, just a couple of the headlines, which I did quite like. Um, One was about uh, camera bashing, Weatherspoons bashing, Brewdog bashing. Um, Some very good comments in there. Um, Another one was about Everything was boring before and everything is so different and varied now, which I quite liked. Um, freshness, he's got an over-freshness. I want to lick the hops before they go into the brew. I especially <laughs> liked that sentence. Ties in very nicely yeah. with the theme of this week's show. Yeah. Exactly, with the question, is this shit even conditioned yet? <laughs> so I, I think that if anyone wants to have a read of that one, they really, take a little bit of time, it's, it's worth persisting with. Um, and I think you will really, really enjoy it. Um, you won't agree with all of it. I certainly didn't. 
but it definitely makes you sit back and think. And if nothing else, it is bloody entertaining. Yeah. So Mark, thank you ever so much for that one. All of those uh, blogs will be linked through in the show notes, so you can link through di- directly to read them. Um, now, uh, a new segment for this show. We didn't do this in the pilot, but we did allure to the fact that it was coming. And, and a little bit weird as well, because I've had to relinquish control. So, Which anyone um, who knows Steve <laughs> isn't the easiest thing for him. Um, so so yeah, long-term listeners of the Beer O'Clock Show will know that, that how much joy I used to have giving away uh, a great big box of nothing every week in the prizes prize. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd continue that tradition on opinions, um, but I'm actually handing over the choosing of, of the prize each, each week to Martin. So um, who wins this week's great big box, inaugural great big box of nothing, mate? Okay, well, thanks, Steve. Um, I'm actually going to give a bit of a shout out to a few of the ones which I actually really liked. Me? No. None of mine. None of yours. Damn it. Um, <laughs> basically, I deleted all yours. Oh. Sorry. Um, I had, there, was, there, was, there was five on here which caught my eye, and all for different reasons. So the first one which caught my eye was from Sparky Wright, which was basically just a picture of all the beers he got delivered on one day, which is about 30 of them, and half of them looked like they come from Odyssey. So I like that one. Um, another one which appealed to me was from World of Waltcraft, um, and it appealed to me because of my football side of me, because it's a can in front of uh, Transfer Deadline Day from Sky Sports News. Nice. Uh, next one was from Gammon Barron, a picture taken of a very lovely looking dark beer at Northern Monk Refectory, which anyone who's been there will know what a lovely space that is. Um, a previous winner as well, uh, Pim Sean from Bird in the Hand and Housed in his, pl- in his pub. He's taken a peach, a very, very nice picture of the Peacher Man, the Peach Cobbler Wit from Beavertown, which I'm yet to try myself. And then lastly, again, another shout out for Justin. Um, he's just taken a picture of three pumps um, on one of his local pubs, consisting of Adams Broadside, London Pride and Sharps Atlantic. Just very shiny, very colourful. However, despite all the colour, I have decided that the winner for the inaugural prizeless prize is Gammon Baron for his picture of a beer in the Northern Monk Refectory. Good, good luck. Well, congratulations, first of all, to Gammon Baron for winning the first opinions. Great big box of nothing. Um... And good luck avoiding selecting his pictures every week because he does do some amazing pictures as, as well. So that will be linked through to in the show notes as, as well. Um, and if you want to have a go at entering your own picture in, in the prize this prize, put a picture on Instagram. Um, don't you can use the hashtag prize this prize but that's not what we look for you have to use the hashtag cheers guys that's the one that martin yeah. we're looking for if you don't use the hashtag you're not in with a shout so put your picture up use cheers guys and hopefully you might win um the next show's great big box of nothing so um any final thoughts on the okaged highlight not as good as the original highlight for me i'm i'm struggling with the oak flavor in it there's a lot going on there in terms of the flavour, the complexity. Um, it makes it a lot sharper. It has softened the, the, the other flavours that are in there. They're still there in, in, in my mind, but it's it's not as pronounced as, as the original. Yeah, what percentage is this, this one? Is Again, it no, it's same percentage, 7.4%, so comes out at the same. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice, but having had the original dry life, first of all, 
I think they should have just left well alone. Yeah, um, 7.5%, I think, okay. they go far, actually. Um, I've been calling them 7.5%. That's because I am obsessed with Cannonball, obviously. And they have put it in a green can. They have put it in a green can, which completely confused me. Um, you know, oh, I made it easier. I just go for the green can in the fridge every time. Brilliant. Okay, so um, just to round up this week's show then, um, I've, I've really enjoyed getting into our first sort of meaty subject um we'll be putting those polls up on twitter every sunday night that's how you'll be able to get involved with these discussions um make comments vote get involved we'll might read out your comments share your opinions on 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 the next show um we'll be talking more opinions soon and in the meantime you can find us at beer o'clock show on twitter instagram and facebook you can also find me on untapped at beer show steve uh martin where can people find you online uh, Twitter and Tant and Instagram beer is the answer should be your way to find what I've been up to beer, beer wise okay and just to finish off we're pleased to say that opinions are still able to bring you discounts from Owls by Mail Beer Merchants Ebria and Hot Burns and Black and you can check out those at beeroclockshow.co.uk backslash discount and also just to finish with we are currently selling limited edition opinions t-shirts online they're only 13 pounds they're available in a range of wonderful colors um, and for your 13 pounds you will get a limited edition t-shirt with a wonderful logo emblazoned on the front of it so you can wear a piece of history as well um, and that just about wraps it up for this week mate so until next time um cheers folks cheers I'm here at Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, uh, chatting to Neil from the brewery. Neil, welcome to, to the show. Um, let's start with some, some obvious questions, uh, first of all. On your website, your, your opening line in the, in the About Us section is, in a state known for theme parks. Um, that's how I came to be here, because I'm visiting with the family. Um, how important is that to you as a brewery? Does that bring in a lot of custom that, that people are here visiting the theme parks? The, the theme parks help, certainly, um, but there's a, lot, there's a lot that brings people to Florida outside of the theme parks. They, they certainly help, though. Um, we've always been a tourist state, and the fact that those tourists do come in and that, obviously, craft beer is exploding in the U.S., the U.K., and, and, and elsewhere, it certainly helps bring people into the tasting room. Um, at the end of the day, it, it's not the reason why we've ended up in Florida. Our founder, CEO, Joey Redner, is a fifth-generation Florida native. He's lived in Tampa his whole life. When he started his brewery, he said, I, I think we're an underdeveloped market, and I think that we have something to say in the world of craft beer that's unique. So that's sort of why we started here. Um, I showed you around the brewery earlier. The place where we brewed our first batch of beer is about 10 feet away, and yep. we still brew there to this day. So kind of being from Tampa and being from Florida, it's always been a, an integral part of our brand and of our, of our brewery. Mm -hmm. The fact that we get millions of tourists from all over the world certainly helps. Um, told you earlier as well we're the second biggest craft brewery in the state of florida so if you're into beer and you're in florida just like yourself um it, it does bring a lot of people in which yeah. is a good good thing for us mm -hmm. and you mentioned there about the the importance of the, the the heritage back to the area back to tampa um tell us a little bit about how how the brand came to be the name cigar city the the link back to the heritage here how, how did that come about sure like I said, Joey is a fifth-generation Florida native. He's lived his whole life in Tampa. 
Um, Tampa has a really rich history that ties into cigar manufacturing. Late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, there's a guy named Vincente Ibor who founded Ibor City. It's just to the east of us. Uh, dozens and dozens of cigar manufacturers set up shop around Ibor, late 1800s and early 1900s specifically. Before the Cuban Revolution, Tampa was the biggest purchaser of Cuban-made tobacco in the world. So it was known as the unofficial cigar capital of the world, hence the name Cigar City. And outside of the name of the brewery, even the names of the brands are almost universally tied into the state of Florida or to Tampa history or cigar history. Um, Highlight being our flagship beer, it's a game that originated in Spain, but Florida is one of the few places in the world that they still have Highlight. It used to be a Highlight arena just down the road, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you drive up and down I-75, it's kind of the north-south thoroughfare in the uh, state of Florida, you'll see signs, Highlight exit such and such, because they still, they still play Highlight, still prominent in Florida. Yeah. Um, Maduro Brown Ale, that's, like, like I said earlier, the first beer that we ever brewed. It's a reference to a dark wrapper on a cigar. A cigar reference, in turn, being a Cigar City reference. So the state of Florida and its cigar-making history really is tied into every aspect of the brewery. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you, you, as you mentioned, you, you took us on a little look around the brewery, which, which I'm really grateful for. Thank you. Um, and, and as you was doing that, you were explaining about what seems to be quite a rapid expansion from 2009, mm-hmm. when you started in quite a small facility, to where we are now in, in 2016, where you seem to inhabit the whole of this industrial y- unit. Um, what's, what's that been like for the brewery, that e- expansion? It's, it's been exhausting, certainly. Um, we're very fortunate that people love our beer. We're, we're very, very fortunate. We've always brewed the beer that we like, and we're lucky that people enjoy drinking our beer as well. So it's been a matter of trying to keep up with demand, which is certainly a good spot to be in, Be- beats the alternative. But at the same time, we've taken the approach that we're going to expand, we're going to try and make as much beer as we can, and then we'll kind of figure it out yeah. in behind. Um, earlier we walked by some fooders. Same approach that we took to those fooders, which was, well, we don't know what we're going to do with them, but let's buy them is the approach we've taken with a lot of things around the brewery. We don't know how we're going to put beer in these fermenters, but let's buy the fermenters and let's try and keep up with demand. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a lot of playing catch-up, and like I said, that, that can be exhausting, but at the same time, it's it's fun. There's always, always something new happening, and we're always uh, finding new ways to make more beer and make more interesting beer. Mm-hmm. And, and tell us a little bit about, you, you, again, you've mentioned Highlight a couple of times as, as being a be- the best seller of yours, and on the tour you were saying it accounts for quite a lot of your production. Um, t- tell us a bit about some of your core beers and, 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 and what they're like and the, the, the demand that there is for them at the moment. Sure. Highlight is our flagship beer. It's a 7.5% American IPA. It's got six different hop varietals. Um, so our flagship beer represents 60% of our production. So more than half of what we do is just make one beer, just make Highlight. So that's sort of the beer that our brand has become associated with most closely. We do have the Maduro Brown Ale. That's the first beer we ever brewed. It's a Northern English style brown ale. I tend to think of it more as a brown porter. Okay. Malt forward, very full bodied, very chocolatey. It's got a little bit of oatmeal in the grist to give it some body and some sweetness, but only 5.5% alcohol. Um, that's my favorite core beer that we do. Mm-hmm. We have a beer called Florida Cracker. That's our Belgian-style wheat beer. That's our good kind of uh, beach beer. Okay, yeah. Coriander, orange peel in that beer, light and refreshing. We have a newer beer that you were drinking earlier called Lager. It's just called Cigar City Lager. Uh, not quite a Pilsner, not quite a Hellas. A little more malt forward than a Pilsner. A little more restrained in bitterness than a Hellas. Um, that is quickly becoming our number two selling brand. We all like drinking crisp, clean, easy drinking beer. I, I think there's still a lot of 
folks who are out there that are used to drinking Budweiser and Miller and Coors, and this is a really good gateway beer mm-hmm. for them to get into. Um, apart from that, we've got Invasion Pale Ale, and I sort of think of that as a beer that's got a lot of the good things of an American IPA, but in a more low-alcohol, more easy-drinking package. Absolutely. I'm, I can only agree with you on that one. That's that's the one that's that, that's got me since since I've been here, is the, the, the Invasion, as, as you said, it's got all of the flavors of a, of a big, hoppy IPA, but it's packed up in this lovely 5% mm-hmm. really drinkable package. It's an incredible beer. Um, let's talk uh, about kind of, I suppose, outside of America. Recently, you guys um, did a collaboration with Galway Bay yeah, in, in, in Ireland. Um, what was that? What was that like, and how, how did that come about? Well, myself and a few of the other people who work around the brewery, had lived, I lived in Georgia for a little while. The guy who is currently the head brewer at Galway Bay is a guy named Will Avery, who used to brew at a brewery up in Georgia called uh, Burnt Hickory. So they've got uh, an American brewing with them over there. We love Will. We had been talking for a while. Hey, let's get together. Let's brew some beer together. So it really came out of a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. We sent Wayne over there a few weeks ago. So he had brewed... Um, two different beers actually he had brewed a beer that had I think three different strains of English ale yeast we were looking into doing something with Brett Will didn't want to put Brett in his brew house so we brewed with a couple different English yeast strains that would kind of mimic those same Mm -hmm. kind of esters and phenols that came out um to be able to brew in Ireland, I know Wayne said that was one of his favorite trips, and to be able to hang out with our buddy Will was really the main impetus yeah. for the trip, for sure. Unfortunately, we won't be selling beer in the UK or in Ireland anytime soon, but it's still there, there's value added when we send yeah. our brewmaster, when we send some of our staff out to these different international festivals, so we can at least get the name out there, and then hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to start sending beer mm-hmm. out to some of the European and the UK markets. Yeah. So it's a decision not to send beer to the UK and Ireland. What 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 what, what drives that? Why, why not? Is it is it a freshness thing? Is it because you need to cater for your local market first and foremost? Well, the, the two things you just hit on are really the, the main sticking points for us. Freshness has always been first and foremost for us. We date all of our cans. We want all of our cans consumed within 90 days. Same thing with our, our draft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the logistics of getting beer in a timely fashion over from the U.S. to the U.K. is tricky. Cooperage is tricky. Um, if we, When we do send beer out to the U.K. or to, uh, to Europe, we're sending those one-way kegs, either key kegs or pub kegs. Yeah. Those are pricey. Um, and then the, the other issue is we're out of beer in Florida. It's a really good spot for us to be in, certainly. Um, 98% of our beer stays in the state of Florida, but we still are out of beer in Florida. Um, so does it make more sense for us to have to charge more and to have beer that might not be as fresh as we would like to be out in the, an international market? Or does it make more sense for us to get fresh beer out to our home state? So that's sort of the approach we've always taken. We, we want to be taking care of our home base before we kind of get out in the world a little bit yeah. more, certainly. But we're, we're working on it. We're definitely working on it. it yeah, I mean, I, I, having been fortunate enough to experience the beers fresh, and, and to be sat here drinking a super fresh highlight that's just come straight out of the, the, the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, freshness is certainly a key thing, uh, I think, in terms of getting your beers to the UK because I think I'm probably not alone in saying that I've, I've been unfortunate enough to have American beers that have been imported, have probably gone well past their best and mm-hmm. have just basically taste like a sticky mess. What I've been drinking since I've been in Florida is just amazing, fresh, clean, all the aromas, all the flavours are in there, and yeah, why would you want to send that anywhere and have it taste different? Um, 
that you mentioned about the decision to, to, to put dates on the cans mm-hmm. and on, on your packaging. Um, what, what was the impetus behind that? Fresh beer is important. It, freshness makes a world of difference on our beer and on beer in general. Um, we want to make sure that the beer, wherever in the world you're drinking it, is as fresh and as tasty as it would be if you were drinking it like you were, just straight off of the mm-hmm. tank. So some breweries use either a Julian date or they use kind of a proprietary dating system. For us, we want to be as transparent and as upfront as possible. We say on our website, we say actually on the can, please drink fresh, do not age. Um, so we're really trying to get out in front of people and explain how important freshness is, and we want to make it as clear as possible how old the beer that you're drinking is. We're not using a best buy date, because that can also be kind of, uh, it obscures exactly when the beer was packaged. We said this beer is packaged on, what's the day, the 18th? August 18th, you have 90 days to drink this beer, fresher the better, certainly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been absolutely critical for us. Yeah. And let's talk about uh, the future of, of, of the brewery. You, you've recently entered into a partnership with Oscar Blues. That's right. Um, what, what was, again, what was the decision behind that? What does, now, what does that now bring to Cigar City that wasn't there before? Sure. Well, Joey, again, he's our founder and our CEO, has always been very debt-averse. He says in his personal life and his professional life, I don't want to, be, I don't want to owe money to anybody. So we've essentially uh, we've sourced all of our growth with actual cash on hand. We've actually cash flowed everything. We came to a point where we said, well, we've either got to look into buying a new brew house, which is in the millions of dollars, building a new facility, which is in the tens of millions of dollars, and how do we, how do we continue to grow? How do we continue to get more beer out to more people without going into debt? So Joey said, well, it's a, a partnership is really going to be the way to go. Oscar Blues, when, when we talk about freshness, when we talk about canning beer, we wouldn't be canning beer if it weren't for Oscar Blues. Mm-hmm. Those guys were really the pioneers in the world of canning craft beer in the U.S. So when an opportunity came up to partnership, for a partnership with them, we jumped at the opportunity. We said, these guys, the, the cultures are, are very, very similar. They understand what we want to do. They understand our focus on quality, and they understand our focus on uh, freshness and, uh, and on cans. What this partnership allows us to do, they have excess capacity at some of their facilities. They have uh, three breweries in the U.S., one in Colorado, one in North Carolina, and one in Texas. They have excess capacity. We have demand without capacity. So we're eventually going to be brewing some of our beer up uh, specifically in North Carolina. It also allows us to leverage this partnership with raw materials and with distribution. So we're able to get better price and we're able to get better ingredients when we're buying for ourselves and Oscar Blues and uh, a few of the other breweries that we're now partnered with, including it's uh, Perrin out in Michigan and two breweries in Utah, uh, Wasatch and Squatters. So when we're buying raw materials or when we're contracting for hops, we're doing it for the entire group, which allows us to leverage that buying power, able to get better better prices and better ingredients. Um, so far, it's, it's really been a wonderful partnership, and it's, it's going to allow us to grow without getting into debt. Okay, well, that's, that, that's great to hear that you're going to be able to do more Absolutely. of what you love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so final question then. Someone's walk, just walked into the tap room. What beer are you going to recommend that's on your board? Oh, it, uh, the time and place for everything, certainly. <laughs> um, I, would, I would recommend what I've been drinking lately is the same thing I recommended to, uh, to you and to Emma. The newer beer, the lager, crisp, clean, easy drinking, four and a half percent alcohol, which is certainly a selling point to me. Mm-hmm. When the brewers and our staff get off of work, they sit down at the bar, they're drinking lager. Low alcohol, really nice hop character. It's 100% Hollow Tower Middle Fruit hops. Crisp, herbal, very easy drinking. Um, that's been my go-to. Other than that, you know, I'll never turn down some of our big imperial stouts. Uh, Hunapu is 
probably, aside from highlight, the beer we're best known for. It's a huge Russian imperial stout. It's got two types of chili peppers, cinnamon, uh, vanilla, cacao nibs. That's a seriously complex beer. Um, somebody puts a bottle in front of, the, in, in front of me, I, I wouldn't turn that beer down, certainly. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, listen, Neil, I, I really appreciate your time um, showing us around the brew house today. Thank you for that and um, for sitting down and doing this interview. Um, and I'm hoping our listeners um, have enjoyed this as well. So, um, cheers. Wakayam. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for coming by. And thank you for letting us talk a little bit about uh, Florida, about our brewery. And hopefully we'll see some more of y'all from the UK down here in Florida. Brilliant. Thank bring, you very much. Bring your sunscreen. It's very hot. <laughs> yes.